Open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2. We're going to finish that. You know we're in this series on Paul's letter to the Galatians. So Galatians chapter 2, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you. We're also going to put it on the screens so you'll be able to follow along. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Anybody know that name? He is famous for writing, now you'll know him, the Sherlock Holmes stories. He was a clever man. He once played a dastardly trick on 12 of his best friends. He sent them a message. He was from London. He sent his friends a message, telegram. It would have been Snapchat today. He sent them a message, and all it said was, flee at once, period. All is discovered. Within 24 hours, his 12 friends had left the country. Flee at once. All is discovered. What would you do if you got a message from one of your friends that said, flee at once? Everything about you has been discovered. little uncomfortable in here. It's humorous, but doesn't it illustrate a universal truth that one of the most profound problems human beings face is the problem of guilt. The problem of guilt way deep down inside. One of the great psychiatrists of the 20th, 20th century, Dr. Carl Menninger was his name, Menninger was his name, he said he believed he could empty the beds, the hospital beds in the psychiatric wards if he could convince 70% of the people in there of one thing. You are forgiven. Guilt. Something we all deal with. And it's true. We all have this great problem of guilt. Guilt drives depression. Guilt drives neuroses of all sort. Guilt drives our anxiety. Guilt drives inner turmoil. It drives our behaviors. So many of the things we do and say are motivated by out of guilt. Even good things. We do things because we're subtly Sometimes, sometimes not so subtly, motivated by guilt. We invite our neighbors over for dinner because we remember they invited us over last month. And we don't want to look bad, so we, we don't want to be seeing them feeling guilty, so we invite them over. We make a contribution to the booster team because we don't want to be the only family that doesn't pull their weight. You know I'm saying truth here. We go visit a friend in the hospital because we feel guilty for neglecting them. We buy a gift for a friend because we feel bad about the harsh words we've spoken. We pray. We read our Bibles because we know we're supposed to. It's a great problem of guilt. 
And we're always, we're constantly trying to discern. I was just talking with Jeros about this this morning. We're constantly trying to discern the difference between false guilt and real guilt. And they're actually sometimes hard to tell apart. Psychologically, they feel the same. And at both a conscious level and a subconscious level, we seek to remove these feelings of guilt. How do you deal with guilt? You're dealing with it. The question is, how do you deal with it? How do we get rid of guilt? That's the, that's the title of this morning's sermon, how, Getting Rid of Guilt. The Bible actually tells us the remedy for the problem of guilt. This text that I'm going to read, we're going to read together, in just a second, tells us, it provides the solution for the great human problem of guilt. So let's look at the text and let's search for the answer. How do you get rid of guilt? It's right in here. Galatians 2, 15 through 21, we'll pick up where J. Russ left us last week. Listen to God's word. We ourselves, remember Paul's writing to the Galatians, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not some big heavy point scrabble words here. We know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But, if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand your word and that every single one of us would be helped when we consider there is a remedy for our guilt. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, in order to understand what Paul is talking about here, we need to understand some words, some important words. If you're doing Bible study at all and and you're reading and the writer repeats words over and over again, it's just like if you're reading anything. If someone's repeating themselves over and over again, they're trying to make a point. What's the word you see repeated over and over and over again in just one verse? He uses it eight times in the letter of Galatians. He uses it three times in verse 16. What's the word, church? Justified. What does justified mean? If you don't know what justified means, you won't understand this passage because his main point is justified, justification. And the word, there's another word actually that is the same word in the Greek. Justification, justified, and righteousness, same word in the Greek. One takes a noun form, one takes a verb form. 
When you talk about justified, it's an action word. You remember those things. Action words are what, church? They're verbs, right? Righteousness is a noun. Same word. When we talk about righteousness in the Bible, I'm going to give you a four-point quick lesson. Number one, in the Bible, you don't have to write these down. These are not my points. I'm just trying to help you to understand the word. You can write them down if you want. I saw some, people, some person look at me like, like, like I corrected them. You can write them down if you want. God, God is righteous. That's the Bible teaches us about righteousness and about being justified. God is righteous. He's morally pure. He's perfect. The Bible also teaches that God demands righteousness from all of his creatures. So he's righteous. He demands righteousness. The third thing we learn from the Bible is we're not righteous. And the fourth thing, and this is what's taught here, is that the righteousness is what God provides solely in the gospel. Are you following the logic there? That's what we see in our Bibles. Righteousness is what God provides solely in the gospel, and, and this is what concerns Paul right now. This is what's being debated between the Galatians and Paul. Paul is saying righteousness solely from Jesus, solely from the gospel. And they are saying, no, 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 it's, it's Jesus plus our works. And Paul is debating that with them, right? Justification is all language of the courtroom. Justification means to be declared righteous, to be declared innocent. This is the language. Paul is using the language of a courtroom scene. God is the judge. We are the guilty. And how does the guilty get justified before a righteous God? That's what Paul is dealing with here. To be justified is just to be made right with God. Or another way of saying it is to get rid of your guilt. Your guilt has to be dealt with if you're going to be justified in the sight of God. The Galatians believe that guilt removal comes by works. Obedience to the law. Paul says your guilt is removed by grace. The free grace of Christ alone appropriated to us through faith. Westminster Shorter Catechism. I should have put it up on the screens. I don't have it, but you can follow along. Here's the definition. Justification is an act of free grace. Underline free. Where God pardons all of our sins. This, th when I finish reading this, you should get up and shout. <laughs> These guys knew how to word things. This is, this is what justification It's an act of free grace. So how do you get us free? Wherein God pardons all of your sins, accepts us as righteous in His sight, even though you weren't. Only for the righteousness of Jesus imputed, credited to us, and received by faith alone. 
That's justification. The only real remedy, here's my main point. You can write this one down if you want to think about it later. The only real remedy for our guilt is the great truth of justification by faith alone. The only real remedy for our guilt is found in the great truth of justification by faith alone. And I want to make two points that support this. The Galatians are turning away from this. They believe that their guilt will be removed by their obedience to the Old Testament laws, to circumcision, to, to getting themselves right with God through their obedience, through their works. Paul is saying you're turning away from the only real remedy. The only real remedy is justification by faith alone. Paul is like this. He's saying, Galatians, why would you pay for something that doesn't work when I'm offering you a brand new version for free? Galatians are going to pay for something that doesn't even work. And what Paul is saying, that's ridiculous. Take me up this offer of the gospel, which is free, and it works. We don't like free, though. I know it's weird. You think you like free, but you don't. You don't like free because every time somebody says it's free, you go, okay, what's the catch? If someone knocks on your door and says, I got to free something for you, you say, yeah, right. I remember I was doing an outreach once where we were actually just trying to show people the love of God in a practical way. We were washing windshields. We were just walking along with a bucket of uh, you know, windshield washer fluid and a squeegee, and we would ask people in the parking lot, we would do it for them and leave them a little card, just trying to show you God's love in a practical way. We clean your windshield. It's not something like that. Maybe it's a stupid idea, but we were doing it. And, and so what I, was per, what I was always perplexed by is how often people were in the parking lot, I'd say, hey, would you like your windshield washed totally for free? No strings attached. Nope. All right, give me a dollar. Somebody was organizing this outreach, and I went back, and I said, hey, nobody wants it for free, but I charged the buck for every one. I got 80 bucks. <laughs> There's something about us. It's bothersome. We, we, and, and, and when we think about our guilt... There's something subconsciously that, that when we think about our guilt before God and what it means to get right with God, we want to contribute something. We don't like free. We want to, Sinclair Ferguson says, smuggle some. Maybe we realize, hey, we need a lot of Jesus, but can't it just be a little bit of me? Can I smuggle in, as Sinclair Ferguson says, smuggle in just a little bit? And, and what Paul is saying is, you, you remove the remedy for your guilt when you contribute something to it. It's not free anymore. So God doesn't ultimately get all the credit for your salvation. You get some too because you did some things. One reason we struggle with this idea that grace is free is because we don't like the idea of being considered guilty to begin with. The first half of the good news is you're guilty. 
The first half of the gospel is the idea that you actually are guilty. The gospel tells you that you're guilty, but we don't even like that. Because then what we do is we start looking at other people. Well, well I'm not as guilty as him. I'm not as guilty as him. We start getting ourselves in, the, in the, the comparison row. We forget that it's God that we stand before, not other people. It doesn't matter how righteous. You might be better than your neighbor. Your neighbor might be a jerk. But it doesn't, that doesn't clear you of your guilt. In fact, your thinking that maybe it does is evidence that you believe your works make you better than him, which makes you acceptable to God. And that's not the gospel. The only real remedy for our guilt is the great truth of justification by faith alone. And what I'm trying to say here, and forgot to mention in my rush, is my first point is that justification by faith alone is excludes justification by works. So, so the two are opposed. Justification by faith alone removes the possibility of justification by works. Justification by faith alone, another way of saying it, eliminates justification by works. And that's Paul's point here in verses 15 through 17. He says it right here. I want, you to, I want you to look at verse 16. I want you to underline it. I want you to circle it. I want you to write next to it, main point of the entire letter. Right there. 2.16. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. It's right there. Justification by faith alone eliminates Justification by works. It's right there. So we were talking for a moment about why we have this tendency to think that we can justify ourselves by our works. And part of the reason why is because we don't like the thought that we're guilty. And I was telling you that that's the first half of the gospel. I heard Tim Keller talking about this. He references Luke 11. And in Luke 11, uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples, his closest friends, the apostles, about prayer. And in Luke 11, he says something like this. Jesus says to the disciples, My Father will give you things when you ask for them. And then he goes on to say, after all, if you being evil give good gifts to your children, then how much more, wait a second, who being evil? Jesus is talking to the apostles. If you guys, being evil, it was just, a, it's just an assumption, like he's just moving on. I mean, after all, if you guys that are evil 
give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Father give good gifts to his children? Evil? Yes, you, the apostles, you're evil. You're guilty. Yes, you are evil. You're guilty. That's the first half of the gospel. And you don't overcome that by working harder. You don't overcome that through obedience to works of the law. You don't overcome that by being a better person. You don't overcome that by working harder. You don't overcome that by doing good works that will compensate you for all the works that you know you're guilty for. You don't overcome that by doing good things that will outweigh or outbalance the bad things that you have done. You overcome that. The only real remedy for guilt is the great truth of justification, being made right with God by faith alone. In who? Jesus. Is anybody with me? But we do this. We try to justify ourselves, even if we're not consciously thinking about God and, boy, I'm guilty. What can I do to make up for it, God? We don't walk around like that. Most of us. Martin Luther did. He was really concerned about his sin. We're not so concerned. But we do have this inner sense, don't we? We do kind of this kind of stuff all the time. You buy your kids. You come home with toys for your kids, which is a good thing to do. But what you're really doing is you're trying to compensate for yelling at them last night. You see? You can relate, can't you? you do, we do these kinds of things. A husband who's being extra nice to his wife because he's betraying her through an online relationship. That's trying to remove guilt. I'm trying to do things that will make myself feel better. I heard of a man putting a lot of money in the church offering basket. A lot of money. Thousands and thousands of dollars. The offering would spike. And it turned out it was every time that he visited a prostitute, he dumped money into the church offering. Why? Oh, guys, isn't it clear? He's trying to remove his sense of guilt. I got money. I can pay God off. He would never say it that way. That's what he's doing. I was thinking of ways I've done this. And I, one of the reasons why, one thought came to my mind. Maybe there's teens in here and you can relate to this. I used to miss a lot of school in high school. Like, I just didn't go to school. I don't know how they passed me. I would, like, miss a whole week of school and then I'd study. Or I'd get notes from everybody and I'd go. And the teachers didn't give me a hard time. I got, like, straight B's. I never went, though. I'm serious. I never went. Like, 50 days a year. And, and I would miss so many days that I would be bored. I would be sitting at home, like, bored to death, watching old reruns of Andy Griffith and the Brady Bunch. There's, like, only so many you can watch before you're, like, bored out of your gourd. But then these feelings of guilt, like, would hit me. I really shouldn't be doing this. I, I should be doing school. 
So we used to heat our house with wood. So you know what I did? I didn't get up and go to school the next day. I went out and split wood. Made me feel better. You're a productive person. You're not lazy. You really are really lazy. But you can convince yourself that you're not by splitting some wood. Do you see? Do you, does anybody relate to these kinds of things? Can you relate to this? This is our efforts to remove guilt from ourselves. And guys, what Paul is saying, what the Bible says, is that it doesn't work. We do good works to dull our sense of guilt, but justification by faith alone excludes, eliminates justification by works. You with me? All right, let's keep going to the second point. And the second point is this. Justification by faith alone brings life. And I'm taking that from these verses. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Now, if we did a little count, how many times does He talk about life and living? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Five times, one little sentence, He's talking about life. Justification by faith alone brings life. It doesn't just declare you righteous before God. It actually gives you the life that you always wanted because God created you with a God-sized cavity in your heart that only He could fill. Augustine said our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. There's this God-shaped cavity in your heart that only God can fill. Only God can fill that. And, and when he does, you can't fill it through works, but when he does fill it, you enter into a life-giving relationship with Jesus. So it's not just, this is not just some stoic teaching where a lawyer like Paul stands up, makes an argument, and he says, no, 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 you're justified by Christ alone, by faith in Christ alone. That's what makes you righteous. And it's like this sterile courtroom environment where God says, don't come near me, but yes, I guess I'll have to justify you. You're, you're clinging to Christ, so yeah, get out of here, but you're justified. That is so far from anything we see in the Scriptures. God doesn't want your religion. God died, God sent Jesus to die so that you would have, not just be counted righteous, but that you would have a relationship with Jesus. Somebody say amen. This is an enormous encouragement that Paul does here. I mean, he moves and he will move. He's been defending himself in the courtroom. He's moving now. He's going to continue to defend the gospel, but he's going to talk about the gospel, what it is, and its implications for the rest of the letter. He's not going to defend himself anymore. Justification by faith alone is vital to the Christian experience. 
is vital. It's why we talk all the time about preaching the gospel to ourselves. Why? Because we're weird? Maybe. But because it's the gospel, the, the fact that we've been justified by faith alone, that is vital to the Christian experience. The gospel isn't something to get your unbelieving neighbor saved. It's, it's the thing that is vital to our entire Christian experience. What Paul is doing here is he's merging the idea of courtroom vindication, ju legal justification, forensic justification, with this other idea called union with Christ. He's merging these two things together. Now, I want, I want you to do something. I want to, maybe this will be instructive to you. If you really want to understand a Bible passage, especially a letter like this, one of the things you can do is just paraphrase it. Go read it again and put it in your own words. So you look at your Bible, starting at verse, uh, just start at verse 17, because it's a little hard to follow when he starts talking about, is Christ a servant of sin? Like, what in the world is Paul talking about? Here is my paraphrase. The Bible doctrine of justification, I'm starting in verse 17, assumes the universal problem of sin and guilt and condemnation. But don't blame Jesus for that. If I try to resolve the universal problem of sin by rebuilding the law, obedience to the works, then I'm shooting myself in the foot. Some of these thoughts came from a sermon that I had read from Sandy Wilson. Through the law, I died to the law that I might live for Jesus. I've been crucified with Jesus. It's no longer me that lives, but it's Jesus living in me. And the life I live, the life I have, I'm living by faith in Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not going to nullify the grace of God. If I abandon justification by faith alone, then I'm saying with my life, Christ, Christ died for nothing. No way. Justification by faith alone brings life. Paul is bringing in another idea. To, his, to forensic justification, and it's that we're united with Christ. We're brought into the family of Christ. We're adopted into God's family. John does it in the Bible. He talks about him being the vine and we are the branches. We're stuck. We're attached to the vine. Right? We're the branches. Paul does it. He uses some metaphors. He says that Jesus is the head and we are the body. Right? We're attached. If you separate the head from the body, no life, right? He also says Jesus is the groom and we're the bride. It doesn't get any more intimate than that. Jesus is inviting you into a relationship. He's not just declaring you righteous. He's saying, look, stop trying to remove your guilt by obedience to the law. Trust in Christ and His work that He accomplished in His perfect life, His death, His resurrection in your place, on your behalf. Trust in that. It's free. When you trust in that, you're declared righteous and you're brought into a life-giving relationship that lasts for all of eternity. We died to the law. Why? 
because Jesus died and we've been crucified in and with Him. We live now to God. Why? Because Jesus lives. It is no longer I who live, right? But Christ who lives in me. And Jesus died for me and He lives for me. Why? Because He loves me. That's a great life verse. You looking for a life, you a Christian that's looking for a life mission statement? Galatians 2.20. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. This is intensely personal and intensely individualistic. Paul has gone very personal here. He is saying, I'm living now. I, I know I can't. I used to try, but I can't justify myself by works of the law. I justify, I'm justified by faith in Christ alone. And because of what He has done for me, the life I now live, I live by faith in Him because He loved me. He gave Himself for me. Intensely personal. And individualistic. Chrysostom, one of the great pastors of the early church, he says it like this, we owe a great debt of gratitude to God as if He had come for our sake alone. Do you believe that? Do you actually believe that? That when Jesus died on the cross, if you're in Him, if you're trusting in Him, justification by faith alone, do you believe that He had you in mind on the cross? Do you believe that? This verse tells you that He did. You struggling with the love of God? You struggling with whether He knows you out of millions of people? Whether He knows your situation? Whether He, he did this for you? Make no mistake, your response to Him is out of His personal and individualistic love for you. Amen. Let's quit. A couple more things to say. What does this mean? Well, our faith in Christ, which is our ongoing work of trusting God, not to justify us, it's in response to His grace towards us. Even the faith is a gift from God. But that faith can be sustained only, church, will you listen to me here? Only when you're confident in God's love for you. That's what's going to keep you going in the morning. Do an experiment. Maybe you've done it already. Try to remain motivated through perfect obedience to works of the law. It's a killer. You'll be guilty within... If you're good, you'll be guilty within a week. If you're like me, you'll be guilty within a few minutes. You can't sustain it. Every thought, every action, every word, that's misery. Brandon Grace, what's going to fuel our lives lived for Jesus? It's the truth that our guilt 
has been removed. Justification by faith alone. What motivates better? The love of God and His grace or guilt? Try motivating your kids by guilt for their whole lives. They're going to run from you. We motivate others just as we are motivated by grace. We live for Jesus. What fuels that? What fuels our our living for Jesus? Love. Whose love? His love for us. Guilt can't be removed through obedience to the law. Peter's actions, let me get to Josh and Mike to return. We're going to sing a song in response. Peter's actions that Jairus was covering last week. Remember, he's He's, he believes the gospel. They shook hands on the gospel, the content of the gospel. But Peter is now acting in a way that it's obedience to the law is what makes you right with God. And Paul is saying, no, Peter, you can't stop eating with the Gentiles. You can't, you can't do this. Because you're, that's hypocritical. And it goes against the idea that guilt is removed by the great truth of justification by faith alone. You're going against that. You're leading people astray. And it's deadly. He's saying you get right with God, you've got to obey the law. If, follow the logic. Paul follows it here. If the law suffices, then Christ is superfluous. If the law suffices, then grace is nullified, weakened, made to be nothing. Righteousness is no longer a gift if you attain it through human effort. So Peter has to renounce his obedience to the law or he has to renounce the cross. There's no middle way. You either take justification by faith alone or you take justification by works. There's no middle ground. One answer is right. One answer is wrong. Take Jesus up on free grace. And I love to think of Peter. You know, Peter, if you read your Bible and you look at the stories of Peter, Peter is just one of those guys, you know, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet, right? And he comes to Peter and Peter says, no, you ain't washing my feet. I'm not going to have the Lord of all wash my feet. And Jesus says, okay, well, if I don't wash your feet, then you have no part of me. And Peter's response, well, don't just stop with my feet. Give me a bath. You see, Peter, like, he, he's always doing this. He's so jacked. He's just like us. He's like, no, 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 you won't wash my feet. No, i got to wash your feet or you're not part of me. Okay, well, put me in a bath then if that's the case. Don't just stop at my feet. Wash me all over. And I just wonder if in this one too. It's like he drifted from the gospel. Paul's like, Peter, you can't do this. What are you doing? I've been telling you this privately. You're going away from Jesus. Jesus, he died on the cross. It's justification by faith alone, Peter. You can't stop eating with the Gentiles. You yourself know. You know that it's Jesus alone that saves, and, but you're acting in this way, and it's totally hypocritical. And I just imagine Peter was just like, gathered the guys up. Yo, guys, boys, it's back on. Grace alone we're going to be back at the barbecue tonight. We're going to be enjoying some ham for breakfast. We're going to be enjoying some bacon. We're not separating anymore. Why? Because I don't want to send the wrong message. I know deep in my being that I am justified by faith in Christ alone. And I'm not going to do anything that indicates 
differently. How about you? Both Paul and Peter know they already recognize that human beings will not be vindicated by the divine tribunal in the courtroom of the awesome, holy Creator God on the basis of their obedience of the law, but only through faith in Jesus. Your life, your worship, your ministry, your behaviors, your actions must be motivated by this great reality. 